0: And Is there the rule, Jack, that you have to have at least one all star from each team? Uh, I mean,
1: if it's a reflection of reality, otherwise, I might not not have an all star. uh,
0: Right? Why is that absurd?
2: Welcome to Atlas Bocked, a weekly chronicle concerning the mundane, weird, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple fantasy baseball league. This podcast captures the thoughts and musings of Greg, Joe, Jack, and Tim, four of the ten owners in the league. This is episode 16, entitled, In the Presence of Pure Evil. Okay, Balkers, welcome to episode 16. Greg,
0: it's good to see you. It's good to be back and feeling uh, near 100%.
2: Yes, welcome back from the edge of death. God, you sounded horrible.
0: Jack, good to
2: see you.
1: Good to see you, my friend. Good to have you back, Greg.
2: Thank you, sir. Good to be
1: back. And we'll be missing Joe this week.
2: He is actually embarking on a spirit journey to decide on what the fate of his team shall be in the warm waters of Tampa Bay. All right, so let's jump right into The Funkin' Punks visiting the Jack's Wax Packs. This was a game that was pretty close. I'm sure Jack was checking his phone every seven minutes. Uh, But ultimately today, the Funkin' Punks just really kind of came out with a 5-for-31 effort as a team and lost 41.2. The Jack's Wax Packs uh, take another win with 45.9, keeping the streak alive. Joey Votto for the Funkin' Punks, first baseman put up a strong 8.6. Um... Quite a large percentage of the punk, Funk and Punk's points, actually. Joey went 11-for-21 with three doubles, three home runs, six runs batted in, six runs, a stolen base, and six walks. A strong effort from Votto. Sal Perez, one of our favorites, had a strong 4.8 at the catching position. And the Blue Jays, this is probably the worst pitching score we've seen all year at 3.2. Uh, and uh, boy, oh boy, that really cost him. On the other side, the home team, Jacks Wax Packs, Miguel Cabrera makes it into the highlights at DH with a five. So for Miguel Cabrera, uh, he put up a he went six for twenty-two with three home runs, five rubies, three runs, two walks.
1: Uh, like I said, you're gonna have the good weeks, the bad weeks, and if you can pull away a win on the bad week, then that's what gets you into the playoff.
2: Yeah, I mean, you had the what the fourth highest score, so it wasn't that bad. But, no, no, you know,
1: um, but I think because these, of the Red Sox, I mean, that was a, a big. You know, and the Dodgers on my bench, I think at a 12 and change. So yeah. either way, it was okay. Um, but that, you know, that's, uh, you're not going to win by 10 points at, at pitching staff ever, really. I mean, it just, that's uh, like you said that, you know, the Blue Jays probably have the lowest score. The, the Red Sox, that 13.7 might be one of the higher scores of the season. So
2: yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely top five and the highest this week. So uh, congratulations, uh, Turner. Any time estimated when he'll come back?
1: I still haven't heard. I, I, it's mm, not going to be this I. month. Um, yeah, we'll mm. see. Mm. Okay.
0: I have some third base depth. Uh, you know, eh, we'll talk later. <laughs> Can I interject? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but the, uh, the trade has been just made official. Kevin, Maiton's kind of, value has been established. Kind of inevitable, I think. That's one of the more
2: snoozer trades. <laughs> I mean, that just was like, eh, like, uh, okay interesting
0: does, yeah i yeah. i knew i i had a feeling pops wouldn't hold on to, to my tan and that ultimately mikey coveted him and so it was just a matter of time kevin my
2: tan for chris davis chris with a c
1: c c yes <laughs> odd move for mikey uh to have made he wasn't using him was he i guess he was sometimes we'll look at his lineup yeah let's yeah let's and-
2: let's take a look at lethal yeah. injections game this week because this is like uh, you know giving up a chris davis um Uh, seems a little suspect. So Lethal Injection went and visited the Dreamers, and Lethal Injection lost 34.4. The Dreamers put up 42.35. So that was a really, that is the lowest score of the week for any team, 34.4, Lethal Injection. And they just traded for a 19-year-old third baseman in the minor leagues at uh, the Braves, and they gave up a a strong power-hitting corner infielder.
1: True. It is an interesting move, uh, uh, looking at and a situation, you know, he looks, again, pretty comfortable in the division. But, yeah, I, I, the kids are not going to help him on a run this year, where Davis, at the very least, may have been able to. So that is an interesting move at this time.
0: Gives him well, depth, well, the, right? The move's interesting, but not surprising. I mean, the particulars are interesting. You know, right, Which, right. The rest, which the player that Mikey gave to his dad. But, you know, I mean, this this deal was fated to happen the moment that I traded my ten to to pop, I think it was a fait accompli when when I traded this guy to to pops that eventually, you know, Mikey was behind there saying, "Hey, you know what, Dad? Trade this guy to Greg, get my tan, and then we'll work something out in the future." So, you know, not surprising.
1: Uh, yeah, I, um, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised that. Chris Davis was the, that he spurred a, a chain of events so that I could get Chris Davis. Like I said, for, for Mike, it makes sense to hold on to him because of the situation he's in. For Mike's dad, you're not in it this year. Like, that's the guy that you're going to start building around. Yeah,
2: it's strange. He's on the, so Chris Davis is on the DL, uh, expected back in middle of July. So not helping Mikey right now. But, boy, that's the kind of depth I would imagine you'd want in the playoffs, right?
1: Right. And that's when he's going to – he doesn't need help right now. Right. He's, like I said, in a pretty comfortable spot. Again, as, as upset as I was about Turner, and you said it last week, thanks. Tim, you know I, I might as well get the, the injury now before you know the playoffs start so uh it sucks to lose him but the fact that you know he'll, he'll hopefully be back and playing for me before the playoffs start uh, yeah it's odd i i uh, i'm not 100 what either person was thinking
2: <laughs> i do what i can to help you out buddy okay so uh lethal injection their top player Anthony Rizzo, back at first base, scored a 4.8. The catcher, uh, Brian McCann, put up a 1.2. And the Indians, who have come back, uh, put up an 11.4. So almost a third of their points came through their pitching staff. That's never a good sign. With the Dreamers, J.D. Martinez, the outfielder for Detroit, put up a 5.6 as the top player there. By going 8 for 20, had a double, a triple, two home runs, four ribbies, three runs, and four walks. Gary Sanchez put up a 2.8 for them. So that's a pretty normal catching score, uh, much lower for Gary Sanchez than usual. And the Diamondbacks put up a strong 9.55. And let me just go ahead and tell you all what Anthony Rizzo did. He went six for 26 with a double, two home runs, three ribbies, five runs, three walks, and he was caught stealing. So this is one where I think Mikey had talked about last week, saying he was concerned about his team. He did have some some fears there. And uh, I... I I don't know. The record is strong. He's still in a strong position in his uh, in his division. Although Chris is, I think, making some, you know, making some noise there. But thirty four point four as you're in the final third of the season is got to be a little disconcerting.
0: Yeah, I think Mikey's um, shown that kind of Jekyll and Hyde nature all year, and I think that he's right to be concerned. Uh, if uh, if Chris closes the deal today and is, uh, what will he be? Six and seven. And um, I think that you know the definitely that race is far from complete, and uh, you know based upon that move we just talked about, you know who, who's to say what will happen in that division? It'll be interesting, that, that's
2: for sure. Yeah, we'll go through the wild card and and the division standings too, and it's pretty interesting. Chris's team is is very important in the in the final playoff spot as we as we get down. So I think this is going to be fun to watch. Yeah,
1: I, I would like to um, to confirm that. Pretty much every scenario that I painted last week um, did not happen this <laughs> week. So, um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the dreamers and omission both stood up strong. And then of course, uh, your situation didn't turn out too great. So, uh, you know, yeah, now all of a sudden you're, you're, you're looking at, uh, at, at the dreamers and I think we'll get into omission in a second. And then Chris is an interesting one as well. It, it, it shouldn't be the case, but he's got to, again, his team has always been, um, these guys that, that just, you know kind of mature uh, without anybody kind of seeing it. And then all of a sudden they're, they're just good. Uh, it's it's possible that just throwing out a lineup every week that he may be able to to, to cause some uh, some ripples in the in the playoff picture.
2: So let, let's go over to the 47 Kamikaze visited St. Locash. Uh, 47 Kamikaze lost. They uh, put up a 41.9. I should say we put up a 41.9. And St. Locash Stinkfest still has a couple of players in play. Uh, but are clearly going to win at 48.2. For the 47 Kamikaze, Bryce Harper put up a 6.8. He went 8-for-24 with two doubles, two home runs, six ribbies, six runs, and six walks. Jonathan Lucroy put up a 3 at the catcher position, and the Astros uh, in the top half of pitching staffs put up an 8.9. For St. Locash, once again, Jose Ramirez uh, playing second base this week put up an 8.8. And he did that by going 10 for 28 with two doubles, three home runs, seven runs batted in, 11 runs, a stolen base, and three walks. Uh, Grandal at the catching position put up a 3.2, and the Angels put up a 7.2. So St. Locash uh, really, you know, taking care of business this week. And again, getting back into the mix, it'd be interesting to see or, or to hear what Chris is thinking.
1: Yeah. uh, Like I said, I, I I don't know if he is, um, you know, obviously he didn't have faith, um, because of some of the moves he's made and things he said. Um, but like I said, he's got guys that are, are absolutely blossoming if fantasy wise in, uh, uh, Ramirez and, and lamb. Um, and then the, these other guys that are, like I said, kind of bouncing back with Zimmerman and, and Andrus has been phenomenal this year. Um, Given many points, I mean, even Polanco got him three and a half points this week. So it it it's weird, it's odd to, to think, but um, uh, you know, Andrews got him a nine point four this week. Um, so between him and Ramirez in in what is his middle infield, um, almost twenty points. So um and and the angel staff got him a seven. so um again, forty eight points is nothing to sneeze at. and um, whether he can do that consistently or not, I guess is a question. Um, but like I said, these guys, i I believe individually in, most of his his players so it's going to be interesting
0: well jack I, I don't think it's a lack of faith on chris's part i think clearly he listened to you declared tim the wild card and he lost all hope so uh, i myself called the good people at cbs uh, sportsline.com and we're yelling at them because i said there's there's obviously something wrong with the site because um, I was told that forty-seven kamikaze was going to win every game going away, and yet there they were losing. So I berated this intern named Lewis for probably a better part of an hour. For you know, I was distracted by a rerun of Cops that I particularly liked. So
2: <laughs> for me, this was a a great week in the sense that I actually finally came to realize that my team was out of it, and uh, I I I, f- I feel emancipated. I feel like Finally, you know, the weight is off my shoulders and the, and you know, my mission is clear build for next year and, uh, you know, provide as much damage as I can on the way to the end of the season. Unfortunately, I didn't really provide a lot of damage against St. Low Cash, and made some poor calls in terms of who I put in. So, so we'll see. Um, but, uh, for me in particular, this, this week was the week where I decided, you know what it's done, it's over and I'm playing for next year. Uh, and St. Locash, obviously, if he's into it, um, you know, really could make a, could make a move. He actually tried to work a deal with me with Stanton, uh, this week, which was interesting. Uh, he obviously did not offer me enough value and still trying to make me feel bad about the Harper trade, which I've cleansed myself of for a long time. Um, so, uh, if you're listening, Chris, that's not going to work anymore. You got to give me some fucking value. Uh, but other than that, um,
1: yeah, I mean, he, he switched his guy out as soon as, you know, Conforto was hurt. He he switched him out. So he's paying attention. Um, like I said, uh, you know, weirder shit has happened.
0: No, I think he's definitely in it after this week. I I really do. All kidding aside, I think uh, that's, uh, you know, six and eight. Suddenly this has been an interesting week as we've been talking about. This was
2: a fascinating week. Let's move over to a mission commission to talk about a mission commission. This was a team that. I You know, a lot of us were kind of thinking had a, a a really tough path to the playoffs. We've been ripping on the Cardinals staff. The Cardinals staff uh, go out and they're still in play right now, but uh, as of this moment, they were at 11 points. So um, the Mission Commission gets a win. Uh, they put up 54.8 points. Uh, Reardon Metal, Joe's team, loses at 42.9, so the streak has ended. For Mission Commission, uh, Chris Owings, the Middle infielder uh, put up a seven point eight. He went nine for twenty three with five doubles, three home runs, six ribbies, six runs, a stolen base, and two walks. Real Muto put up a three point four in the catcher's position. As I said, the Cardinals put up eleven points for rearden metal in the losing effort. Mike Mustacos uh, he put up a five point two at third base position. Went seven for twenty four, a double, three home runs, three runs batted in, five runs, and a walk. Buster Posey put up a four, and the Nationals, which uh, put up a seven point seven, seems like either they they score seven point seven or thirteen point seven, and you just <laughs> kind of pick your week. Um, but there was no way Joe was even going to win. Joe knew he lost and was complaining. Gosh, uh, I think by Tuesday or Wednesday, which you know, no nine win team should be complaining. Big statement game for Scotty. This has implications in the wild card as well as in the division
0: race. I don't know. I mean, should we just start believing? Yeah, I think there's definitely a chance, but um, I'm not sure if I'm a full believer uh, just yet. I mean, it's a tightening race, and I think Scotty's definitely got a leg up on the wild card. But I I still think the Dreamers... are the team to to beat now? Wild card race. If I was uh, handicapping it right now,
1: yeah, I, I um I've liked Scotty's team the whole time. I um I did. Uh, in fact, I, I mentioned last week that <clears throat> without looking at the schedule, I would have picked them to to hold on to the wild card spot. Um, but they had some tough games coming up. This being one of them. So uh, you know, again, you you score fifty five points, then you know most of the time, Tim, uh, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you're going <laughs> to come away with a win. So. Um, you know, Rendon has, has become, uh, very, very good, uh, fantasy wise, uh, once again, and, um, this, this, uh, fam, son of a bitch is, uh, just dropping fives on a regular basis. <laughs> um, and, and real Muto is, uh, like I said, is, a, a, a another guy that has, um, has moved up to, to that second tier of fantasy catchers this year. He's been as steady as anybody. This is a team that that could definitely do some damage uh, on their way to and and even in the the playoffs if if Judge continues to do what he does. You know the other thing to consider um, with these guys. First of all, they they um, they have a, a somewhat strong bench. Uh, again, Frazier, um, I know he's not your favorite guy, uh, Greg, but but solid as a uh, third baseman to be on your bench. Um, you know, Scope is a, another guy in the middle infield that's been really solid this year. Um, and then they got Pollock is, uh, is going to be coming back here. Um, you know, hopefully for them within the next week or oh, so, wow. two. so that that's where, you know, that's the spot that this five point fam son of a bitch has been filling. Um, so again, he's not, you know, he's not going to get a lot more than that out of Pollock, even, you know, uh, as good as he is, but, um, to, to know that you have that, that consistency, uh, I'd rather depend on him on a weekly basis. Um, so that kind of takes that out of, out of play.
0: Five-point fam, and a nickname is Born. <laughs> that
1: was the name of my band, actually. Five-point fam, very literative.
2: So let's check out Mr. Blonde's Heroes, because, uh, wow, uh, Greg's team put up a 51 as he went and visited Bad Street and uh, just crossed Bad Street, 51 to 36.75. Jose Abreu, starting to warm up with the weather put up a 6.6. He did that by going 10 for 30 with five doubles, two home runs, eight runs batted in, three runs, and a walk. Matt Wieters put up a 2.2 from the catching position, and the Yankees put up a 7.6. You need a better pitching staff. Um, Suddenly, yeah. (laughs) I got one for sale. for Bad Street. Adam Duvall uh, put up an 8.4, went 9 for 24 with four doubles, three home runs, 10 ribbies, six runs, a stolen base, and two walks. Alex Avila put up a 2.8 from the catching position, and the Cubs flat out suck at 5.75. So it's Greg. Um, are you back in it? I mean, it's a coin flip every week. Um, it came up heads this time, right?
0: Yeah, it came up heads. I I wouldn't say that I'm back in it. I, although I, I, this win wasn't a fluke, as you said, the Yankees. Um, they they're they're recently really not contributing anything, um, and it was a well-rounded uh, team victory. Uh, Altuve no, Odor, you know, uh, Brett Gardner, my God, you know, and I, I had uh, Matt Adams who had been one of my hotter players go down. Broxton didn't do anything, but I still was able to pull it out. So it's satisfying. It's certainly more fun to win than to lose. And it's heartening sure. to see. So, yeah, I mean, it's heartening to see some of these players who, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, I, I'm primarily thinking about the future. And so to see Odor heat up and to see that Abreu at 29 or 30 or whatever he is, you know, maybe he isn't in that decline phase that we everyone kind of thought he was these last two or three years. My interest is still there for this year because there is an interesting race happening, although I don't have real high hopes and I'm certainly not ready to go out and buy a pitching staff or an overpay for one, but it's fun. It's fun to win and, and, you know, and we'll see what happens next week, you know? as the dreamers would say, we'll see what happens in three or four weeks.
2: <laughs> okay. So let's take a look at the division races in the Griffey division, which is quite frankly, the most boring division in this league. Jack's wax packs is now at 10 and three and is unstoppable. 47 Ronin and Mr. Blonde's heroes are tied at 5.8 slight edge to Ronan with more points, but Blonde's heroes, Blondie as Jack likes to call him is, uh, is streaking and streaking hard and putting up a lot of points. The Funkin' Punks are in fourth place at 4.9. We've got the Bonds division. Lethal Injection at 8-5, which seemed almost insurmountable just seven days ago. Now looks... Uh, I, I, I don't know how to... So Lethal Injection is winning at 8-5, to five, but St. Locash at 6-7 and seven is not far behind with six games, six games to go. And I would love to see some action in this division. I mean, it was, this would be really fun to see this come down to the wire uh, with both these teams and um, you know get their thoughts uh, each of their their thoughts on um, what's happening there bad street is uh has been lapped i mean he's at three and ten and is a non-entity the mcguire division uh reared metal at nine and four omission commission at eight and five and the dreamers at seven seven and six all winning records and i, I think the gravity of omission commission's win was not lost on joe this week i think this, this fed right into his fears and the fact that Omission Commission is streaking and that Reardon Metal just lost his winning streak um, and that the Dreamers are still hanging around. Again, uh, I call this the blood sport division for a reason, and it's, it's you know, quite frankly, um, a lot of fun. And, Greg, I agree with you. I think even being out of it myself, this is one I'm really going to watch uh, with a lot of interest so if we take a look at the wild card, we've got the Omission Commission in first place in the wild card right now with an 8-5 and five record, the Dreamers uh, in second place at 7-6, and six, and St. Locash at 6-7. and seven. So even the wild card, almost as a kind of a fantasy fourth division here, is going to be fun to watch as these three teams battle it out. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. I mean, could this be one where Joe actually ends up outside looking in and uh, Omission Commission and the Dreamers uh, make it happen? I don't know.
0: I think Joe thinks so. I mean, my God, he abandoned he, he the cast tonight. He went off the grid. He's been texting us uh, random pictures from what appears to be some wilderness. So, my <laughs> God, I think he's uh, deeply distraught. You know, he needs to get, he needs to get centered. And uh, he's gone back to
1: nature to try to figure out who started catcher next week. <laughs> he's re- recharging the batteries. Exactly. He's going to sit posy, I think. I think I'm going to call Chris and try to trade Boston back to him.
0: <laughs> nice. I I think the, I, I really, I don't want to keep harping on this boring trade as you called it, Tim, but I really, it is interesting that Chris Davis for my tan trade, looking at Mikey's roster, if, you know, if, if God forbid Rizzo uh, or, you know, Tames, I guess is his backup. But if that happens, uh, boy, he, he would be loving to have Chris Davis. If he comes off the DL, of course.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, talking to Mikey last week, um, I, I just felt like, oh, this is a this is a no brainer. You're you're gonna walk right in, and maybe that's still the case. That's just not a move I'm used to to seeing Mikey make. And then looking at the the way this week played out, and this this was a trade that was made just what thirty forty minutes ago. I mean, so he knows what happened this week. It's just a little hard to decipher. I'm sure Mikey's got his got his reason, gentlemen. Why don't we take a break right here and we'll come back. And we'll review the all-star teams that Jack put together based on first-half performance for the Juices League performance. So, talk to you in a few minutes, boys.
1: Strange ways coming today. I put a dollar in my pocket and I threw of the Been a long time since the federal dime made a Jew box sound like a my mind. To calm my worries, fix the thoughts, pull my hopes, look at checking that yeah. wax. Now let down souls can't feel the
0: rhythm. Sorry entertainers like a robot's victims. Hybrid people like a wooden mastic.
2: Toxic fumes in the burning plastic. Beats all broken bones of spastic. Go by
0: talking with the southern accent. Do curses.
2: Okay, Welcome back, Buckers. I'm going to go ahead and hand the microphone over to Jack so he can talk about the Juiceless All-Star Game selections.
1: So what I did, I went through uh, our league, the Juiceless League, and um, uh, we play in a um, uh, MLB league, so we don't break up by American or National League. Um, but I did go ahead and and uh, and do just that and break up um, the uh, the American and the National League players by position. Uh, so in the Juiceless League. Uh, 2017 we were to have an all-star game right now Uh, these are the folks that would be uh, starting and uh, and backing up in each of the positions Um, a lot of them the same as uh, as the uh, the major leagues of course uh, but some uh, some major differences and that's kind of what I wanted to point out so uh, we'll start with the uh, the American League uh, catcher Um, statistically fantasy wise uh, Sal Perez is the best catcher in the American league and he is starting in the major league all-star game. So they got that one, right. They also got the backup, right, which is Gary Sanchez. Those two guys definitely um, separated themselves from the, the rest of the group there uh, in the national league um, catcher, the, the gentleman we all know and love um, should statistically be starting. Uh, Buster <laughs> Posey is the juiceless starter for the national league. Uh, however the backup in the, the uh, major league game is going to be molina once again um but this year and we've talked about him quite a bit um JT Realmuto has moved his way up and become the second best statistical fantasy catcher in the National League this year, edging out Molina. Molina is close. Moving over to first base, in the uh, the American League, very cool story in in Major League Baseball, Justin Smoke getting the opportunity to start. Um guys having a phenomenal year, one of those yeah. guys that kind of had a, a comeback season, kind of mm-hmm. fell off for a while, nobody really believed in him. Ironically enough, that same story holds true for Juiceless uh starter for um, the American League, except it's not Justin Smoke. It, it would be Logan Morrison. Oh, um, my boy, actually has more fantasy <laughs> points right low, now low, low, than low. any other uh, first baseman in the American League. Um, most wow. of the first base talent is is in the National League, um, however. Uh, so Morrison would be the starter. Uh, Abreu actually edges out Smoke. Um, statistically in the American League, um, but it was close. So smoke is yeah. right there, uh, but interesting. that Morrison actually would be the uh, the starter for the American League in the uh, the juiceless All Star Game. The National League Zimmerman is the uh, the guy that got chosen uh, for Major League Baseball. and He's having a great great year, um, but in juiceless he is actually third in the National League. Goldschmidt is the uh, the top a uh, player overall Goalie. and uh, and Joey Votto is actually a little bit better than Zimmerman as well. So those yeah. would be the two guys representing the NL uh, third base. <laughs> uh, very cool story. We talked about him quite a bit. I uh, love the guy. Uh, Jose Ramirez is uh, starting in Major League and is starting in the Juiceless League, the top third baseman in the American League, followed by Sano as the uh, the backup. And that's the same in both, uh, like I said, Major and Juiceless. Jack, in I the, wonder uh, if,
2: if Ramirez would have started at other positions as well. So he's, he's eligible at second base, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would. And we'll, yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up here in a second. Oh, okay. Uh, So, yeah, but yes, he, he, um, as a third baseman, his primary position, he would start. Um, National League, um, not a lot of of surprise, although Lamb would actually be the starter. Um, Arenado is the second best fantasy third baseman in the National League. Ah, uh, Lamb has actually passed him and uh, is now number one. So that was a little bit of a shock. Moving to the middle infield, American League is um, just the same again as it is in the uh, the major league game. It's Altuve and uh, 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 Scope are the the starters. But yes, Ramirez is better than Scioscia. So yes, he he wouldn't start over Altuve, uh, but he's right there with them. Second base, it is Daniel Murphy on both teams. He's the uh, the best National League. Uh, fantasy second baseman. They got Lemayhew and Harrison in the uh, the major league game, which hey, hey. you know neither is is horrible. Um, D Gordon is a little bit better fantasy wise than both of them, but not the strongest position in the uh, the National mm-hmm. League right now. Shortstop Carlos Correa is starting for uh, for the American League. Uh, however, <laughs> in the juiceless league, Elvis Andrus is uh, is uh. actually ahead of Correa right now. And in the National League, um, guy that's just not getting a lot of love yet. It's, it's early. He's young, and now he's injured. Um, Trey Turner is uh, the top uh, performing shortstop in the National League, followed by Seager. And, uh, and then third uh, is not the National League starter, Zach Cozart. Um, third would be... A gentleman by the name of Chris Owings, uh, and then Cozart's down the line a little bit. So uh, you know, it's cool. Cozart's getting the start. It's um, you know, good for him. Uh, Vato's going to buy him a donkey. You know, statistically, what? there are a few guys that are that are better. Vato's
0: um, buying him a donkey. What? What is? Yeah, yeah.
1: Vato Va- <laughs> was uh, you know pushing for him to uh, to get in there, and uh, has openly said multiple times that uh, that if they win, I guess uh, near the. Um, Near their spring chaining place, there's some donkeys, and and mm. kozar, kozar would bring his kids down there and feed the donkeys. So uh, Vado told him if he made the uh, the All Star game as a starter, he would buy him a donkey. Mm, they're and, very attractive uh, animals. So yeah, he so kozar has got uh, he's got that going for him, <laughs> which is nice. Uh, finally, <laughs> finally we come to uh, to the outfield. Um, not a lot of surprise here. The American League judge is number one. Uh, Springer is number two it, trout probably would be number three, uh, without the injury. Um, Betts, Mookie Betts would be the next guy up and, and probably would be the next guy up. And, uh, um, I think he was the next guy up in the voting as well. So the, uh, the DH for the American league, um, game is, uh, is going to be Corey Dickerson and, uh, and he hmm. is statistically the next guy up. Wow. After Betts. So
0: great year. Uh, yeah.
1: Great, great. year, great year. Yeah. He, uh, after you know leaving Colorado, it took him a little while. He really started picking it up towards the end of last year, and um, and then just has continued it on. Uh, that's but, cool. That's you know, nice to see. Yeah. Another one, of, yeah, another one of those uh, those guys in Tampa that uh, that's that's overperforming, I guess. National League again. Um, Blackman number one, uh, Harper number two. Both those guys are starting in the game. Um, Ozuna is actually the fourth best um, outfielder in the National League in the juice list, barely. Uh, being edged out, believe it or not, by uh, Adam Duvall, who also had mm. a huge week this week. Um, so Duvall would be the uh, the third outfielder fantasy wise. Which Adam who? Right? He's I mean, kind of quiet about I mean, yeah, it, right? He's <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, he's to give him props. Top ten uh, fantasy outfielder at the moment. So a lot of guys, like I said, that uh, that you'd expect to be there, and uh, and quite a few that uh, that you really didn't. Um, so, uh, you know, some of those, uh, some of those guys kind of jumped out at me.
0: Great work. Although some of the, the launch angle crowd is represented. I saw in the real, you know, reserves, Yonder Alonzo is, is on the team and, you know, you're seeing, you know, obviously we mentioned, uh, Logan Morrison, I guess he's the final five candidate in real life. Um, you know, that launch angle group is, uh, you know, out there doing well. Cozard, you could almost call him one of those, those players. We call him the Lala La club. The Launch Angle Club.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So an interesting um, video on Francisco Lindor and how Launch Angle actually hurt him. And, you know, he really got addicted. He had a couple of home runs early on, thought it was, you know, because he had a little bit of an uppercut and was putting backspin on the ball. And what happened was that he just didn't have enough to put it out of the park. And so he was actually giving up more than he was uh, getting from that adjustment and went back to a more line drive type approach. And oddly enough, he hit his hit uh, two line drive home runs. You know, it, I guess it can give, but can also take away. And if you think about some of these players that have had success with maybe adjusting their swing path, uh, Logan Morrison, Yonder Alonso, these are bigger, beefier players right. smoke that exactly right. maybe have the, the strength to do it. But someone like a Lindor, who's, you know, more of a welterweight, uh, as opposed to a heavyweight. Uh, just, it's not, it, he doesn't have enough behind the ball, enough weight to move that ball, the extra 10 feet.
0: Well, yeah, I guess that is the downside. We haven't talked about that potential, but that makes good sense. I mean, maybe Odor, maybe Addison Russell, maybe they're, they've become enamored of, with the idea of themselves being, you know, middle infielding power hitters, The uh, the pressure of the stories and the Seegers and, all of that uh, maybe getting to them and um well and,
2: and just you know as as Jack had sent out too as he's kind of lit on the juiced ball argument and just the number of home runs now that were hit and I think Jack you were saying the record was tied or broken with a couple of days left to go in June is that right
1: Yeah they they ended up um they ended up setting the record um ironically it was Justin Smoke with an opposite field home hmm. run <laughs> uh, that did it. So, um, and, uh, and then added on from there, um, they ended up with 1107 maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, just over 1100 home runs in the month, which is the most ever. Um, I I noticed, uh, that the second most, uh, I'm sorry, the third most ever was, uh, May of this year. Um, (laughs) so the, so two of the top three months uh, in the history of baseball, which is odd because I never heard him talk about it. in May um, are uh, are the last two months um, that uh, that that have been played. So, uh,
0: yeah, Pirates beat writer uh, was talking to both Pirates pitchers and uh, Pirates hitters, and they were you not know, that they're exactly mashing, but they were talking about um, <laughs> they, they definitely are proponents of the idea that there's a juiced ball. They used, they are like, yeah, it's like, a, it, it feels like we're hitting golf balls. They're just, they are just uh, harder right now. And, and the interesting thing in that article was they also were talking, uh, the Pirates beat writer had access to some Japanese league player. I don't know if it was a, a player from the Japanese league or, or a U.S. player had gone over there. And uh, apparently there's no, it's a, I don't even know. It's a secret. Maybe it's a poorly kept secret in the Japanese league that they conspire to adjust the ball every year based upon their this being the league based upon their desire for offense if really? it's a down year for yeah yeah if it's if it's a down year for offense ooh, then they not so secretly um make adjustments to the density of the ball yeah you know, whatever they do to the ball I don't like so that, that they can ramp up the yeah yeah that's in it was a pirates bullpen guy, Wade LeBlanc saying, maybe he'd pitch over there. I don't know, but saying that, yeah, you know, we were kind of uh, as pitchers, you know, it's, I guess as long as it's consistent and we're all dealing with the same thing, that's fine. But, you know, we should, uh, you know, hopefully the owners of the world kind of uh, make an adjustment in their mindset about how much they're valuing what we do. If they're making conscious decisions to, Uh, Impact the offensive numbers in the game. You know, Ah. so I wonder.
2: I wonder if a a harder ball benefits the pitcher. I mean, we know that the harder ball, once the bat makes contact with it, does not benefit the pitcher in some cases, right? But I wonder if that allows for a tighter curve or um, the ability to place a fastball um, more precisely where you want it, or it does this kind of take it away. Like, for example when you're pitching in Colorado in the thin air, the curves don't curve as much. The sliders don't slide as much. So the advantage goes to the batter um, for both teams, obviously, Mm -hmm. but a harder ball, does that allow you to get a tighter spin with your curve or, um, you know, if you're throwing a a change up, Mm. does, does it allow you to, you know, take another half a mile per hour off It, it?
1: it? It may. I don't know that that's the case. Um, but if you, you know, consider everything and, and the statistics and percentages and such that even if it does, it's still going to benefit the hitter mm. um, the because the, you still have to place it. You still have to, you know, right. to, you know so the um, regardless, the, the fact of the matter is the bat's going to hit the ball a certain amount of times and um, and, and a, a harder ball is just going to travel further. It, it's not that ridiculous to consider. I, again, I've, you know, I've worked in sports and a. a much less professional and 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 situation and um but i've seen you know crazier shit happen to to for the benefit of the game for the benefit of entertainment for the um you know and it, you, you think about <clears throat> again we're hardcore so you know we watch baseball you know pretty religiously every year but right uh, there's a lot of people that don't and and you know when McGuire and, and Sosa and just that whole rush, it, it, it was big. I mean, it was huge. There were a lot of people that don't give a shit about baseball right now that were watching baseball during that time. And, um, it was an, you know, an exciting time. I'm sure it was exciting for the folks that were, you know, putting money in their pockets. And, um, you know, then the, the, the whole, you know, uh, PD stuff came and, uh, now all of a sudden, you know, you can't do that all oh, shit. Well, now <laughs> numbers are <laughs> dropping and, well, how can we recreate that, uh, you know, and, and, and still be okay for the kids and, and still. So, uh, you know, again, it's um, it's uh, uh, it wouldn't shock me.
2: All right, boys. Well, listen, uh, great work, Jack, as always. Let's go ahead and uh, refill our cups. Let's come back and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Greg's experiences in Southern California at VidCon
0: with all those. Uh, what, what are they? Tweeners? Bunch of tweeners. Yeah, mostly tweeners. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah, young young teenagers for sure. Young teenagers. Mostly. Yes, mostly. All right. We'll talk uh we'll talk to you in a few minutes, boys. I'm feeling, rough,
1: I'm feeling of my life. Let's make
0: some music, let
2: Welcome back, Balkers. And uh, Greg, I would love to hear about your time at VidCon. I know you went down there uh, for your daughter, and sounds like you had a lot of fun and interesting experiences. So how was it?
0: Well, you know, I'll preface all my comments by, you know, overall, it was a really interesting experience. Um, but, you know, guys... I, this was my first con that I spent multiple days at. Uh, this is all kind of arose rather quickly and entered my consciousness from from literally nothing to being something that my daughter um, expressed as being very excited about and very important for her to go. And so when I was able to make it happen, that was great. Um, but I, I had no idea what to expect. YouTube is now for my daughter's generation what television, maybe records were for us. I mean, maybe combined because they can access so many different things uh, via YouTube. Imagine the largest of convention centers with hundreds of exhibitors and booths uh, ranging from, you know, DreamWorks, Disney DreamWorks, uh, to candy vendors to small, um, web businesses and, uh, things like that, you know, uh, it was a very lively environment. And, and now that we've embarked guys as, as broadcasters of our own, I thought, well, okay, this will be great. I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll spend some time with my daughter and learn some things maybe. And, you know, the spending time with my daughter was the first notion that I was quickly disabused of though, <laughs> uh, as on day one, we walked around together and I was like, do you want to go look at that? And just the look of anger. Do you want to look at that? A look of disgust and i was like well, wh- what do you want to look at you like actually dad is there any way that you could just go away and uh <laughs> and so that i i be free to roam around here and and do what i want to do and, and so we did that and again because of the convention center security i felt very comfortable doing it but guys i don't know to what extent you're you have a awareness of of youtube quote unquote stars but it's zero i i mean some of the things that you know and, and i showed Uh, Carly, subsequently, I showed her the video of this. There was a moment outside where we were getting ready to go into an Uber to to head for dinner for a little while, where uh, the parking garage across the street, some YouTube star, somebody I've never heard of any of these people and and some YouTube star, uh, it was like a uh, herd of wildebeests. You know, there, there was a a ripple through the crowd that I don't even remember who it was, was in the parking garage. And and the security bequ- began to quickly swing a rather large iron gate closed, but they failed to do it in a timely enough fashion as probably 80 screaming 13 to 14 year old girls at, in a herd went streaming through that gate, like past security to chase down this person who I've never heard of screaming, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I walked infinite laps around the convention center, and you, you didn't go more than five seconds without a random burst of screaming going on. And um, it was—it was just really amazing the, the level of, of knowledge that these attendees had
1: about these stars. They're the new rock stars. This is this is me at a at a at an all day rock concert. It's mm-hmm. it's the same. <laughs> it's the same uh, same setup now.
0: Well, I I did find I did kind of start to feel a darker side though, not not super dark, but maybe more frustrating. Uh, Jack, are, are your kids at all fans of or aware of a gentleman named Markiplier?
1: Mm, that's not, does not sound familiar.
0: Yeah, he was not on my radar either. But we waited two hours. We wanted to get good Well, I don't want to get good seats. Carly wanted to get good seats to see this guy, <laughs> his Q&A on stage. People were encouraged to tweet questions to Mark Markiplier. Again, a guy who, you know, he alternates between playing video games and, and making, I guess, humorous comments. And then sometimes he'll do things like the cinnamon challenge, you know, or, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So anyway, we waited for hours for this guy to come out. And when he finally did come out, he had a very Jim Jones vibe to me. Uh, you know the 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 unadulterated adoration of the crowd, uh, you know I guess i can I can understand that If it was the uh, Dukes of Hazard back twenty <laughs> thirty years ago, I probably would have been the same way. Woo. but um Daisy, but this this guy proceeded to interview himself. You know he's like, guys, i've i've I have great news. Uh, the Q and a, all the questions that you guys have spent the last two hours tweeting to me. I'm not going to answer those. Instead, I'm going to ask myself questions that I really want to know about myself and then I'm going to answer them for you. And I was like, wow, this guy, (laughs) is this guy, is this some sort of a comedy routine? And I, you know, I, I won't even attempt to, you know, encapsulate it or, or to, uh, paraphrase for this guy, but but I, I I began to furiously jot down notes on my iPhone because I didn't want to, I, I you know I felt as if I was entering into a dream state and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't misremembering any of this stuff later. But I was yes. jotting down <laughs> names like Jim Jones, and you know this guy you know he had he had an affect that you know it was it was sincere too. Like he wasn't putting on because he knew that he was in a room full of thirteen year old. He he genuinely seemed to think that. He was some combination of Albert Schweitzer and George Carlin and Plutarch. And, you know, and <laughs> I'm thinking like Pol Pot and Jim Jones and uh, Stalin. You know, that's what <laughs> I was thinking about. You know, just, just the level of um, grandeur that he associated with himself. Uh, it, it, I mean, I, I jotted down that for the first time in my life, I felt that I was in the room in the same space with pure evil. You know, I, I really was, dis- I really, uh, are you being a little hyperbolic here? No, no, I'm not. I'm not exaggerating at all. I, I felt really disturbed. and I, after the session, I, re- I pulled my daughter aside. And I was like, I found that actually quite disturbing. And I'm, I'm not joking in the least because the level of influence that this guy has mm-hmm. on millions of children is terrifying to me based upon hearing him talk and based upon what I perceive to be a level of of uh, narcissism that uh, is off the fucking charts this is a guy who is a captive audience of millions of children every day is influencing them even if it's just influencing them to be dunces but you know uh, it is frightening because he believes sincerely that he's saving lives by playing world of warcraft
1: or whatever he does online. Yeah, the, and you know, the, the, the vetting process that, that, you know, even we went through as, as kids and it, it just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it, everything is so readily available to everyone at, at any time. And, you know, I try to, to the best of my ability, keep tabs on my 17 year old and, and, you know, for, for at least for the most part, no you know, not where he's at physically. Um, I I know where he's at physically most of the time. It's it's where he's at, you know, when he's on his phone or on his uh, uh, PlayStation or on his iPad. Or if you hadn't gone to this particular, you know, situation, the show, you you wouldn't, you still wouldn't know this. So, you know, before in in order for us to to be influenced by by entertainment, you know, it came from three or four different sources and our our parents and and the people around us were able to kind of, Filter that for the most part, it just doesn't exist anymore.
0: And, and the FCC filtered it. I mean, I'm, and I'm AM, certainly yeah.
1: n- I'm not one
0: for um, censorship, but you know, and again, Tim, I'm I'm not uh, over dramatizing at all, and, and I don't think this Markiplier is evil. Maybe I don't think he's evil, but <laughs> but I mean, l- let's face it, Jim Jones happened. You know, Jonestown happened. There are maniacs out there, um, and. And, and for the first time, I saw the potential for harm on YouTube. You know, not just exposing children to age-inappropriate material, but there was a level of intimacy. Uh, you know, these children, um, you know, were deep inside this guy's psyche because you know the the the, the inner the level of interaction between him on stage and these screaming children was disturbing. You know, I can't tell you the number of, I love you's that children screamed out to which he replied, you know, very sincerely. I love you too. You know, it was like, let me, let
2: me just kind of provide a little counterpoint here. So first of all, you sound like every parent ever when their kids are happy for their fans. (laughs) So, you know, when the Beatles came and, the the young ladies were screaming and yelling and passing out right um and with their long hair and their hippie affect you know this was the end of civilization as we know it and you know i, I kind of think of like people who think andrew dice clay is actually andrew dice clay and not a fucking character i mean this guy is an entertainment uh he's playing a character he's not yeah. you know i mean y- y- you're taking it real because it's you know, there's a lot of fear there, right? Like, oh my God, did this guy really, th- could he, could he actually impact someone's lives? And, you know, you're kind of making fun of him for saying that he, that he, crazy to think he is yet you're actually afraid that he in fact is.
0: Well, you know, but to Tim though, I would respectfully counter though, that, that the level of interaction in the volume of content. I mean, this guy, you know, he he so many times devalued his own product by saying, you know, the times when I go on and I put up content that I really care about, you know, it's gratifying to see that, uh, you know, it really makes me feel good. But I realized that even the content that I really don't put a lot of effort into, even that gets minimally a million views, (laughs) You know, then I was just thinking, oh boy, you're you're really selling yourself here, pal. You're, you're really, dead. but of course, they were like screaming with affirmation about him phoning it in on eighty percent of his broadcast or whatever. But but he's re- he's interacting for. I mean, he has hours, hundreds and thousands of hours of content that he's uploading, and then he's interacting with children in real time through the comments and through the responses. And so, to me, that's the difference. Yeah, dice. He said some bad words, but, uh, you know, dice wasn't ever going to be somebody that I was going to be able to banter with or to influence with or, or to be influenced by directly or to say, Hey, dice, you know, what do you think? Should I, you know, smack that girl in eighth grade and, and, uh, treat her like crap. And he wasn't going to be able to say, Oh yeah, I think so. But this, these YouTube stars, they're interacting with our children in real time. And again, most of it's very innocent and entertaining and fun, but I saw the potential for, wow, this is, this is a different type of, um, intimacy with, with, uh, with fans. It was really uh, in that moment and it passed pretty quickly. And then the rest of the time was a lot of fun, but I I did feel chilled Mm -hmm. in that
2: moment. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like you're, you're, you, you're more concerned about the reality of, social media in the, in the flattening of, of distance, right. That to what Jack was saying that, you know, where, where's my kid's head at and who's he communicating with? Um, you know, we think about just the level of interaction we've had with Atlas Bockt, right. And people being able to communicate with us that we've never, you know, physically met before. And, right. you know, as a parent, as someone who cares about our children, uh, we can't lock down, you know, these types of things. So I I agree with you there 100. This is this is the future. This is these these are the rock stars of the future. It was amazing and interesting that you actually got a peek inside, um, and were there and had a, had an opportunity to really get a chance to to see you know what it is that that gets our kids charged up. Um, you know,
0: yeah, it, it was good. I mean, again. Taking that one kind of chilling moment out of it, it it was an interesting and and uh, and I mean, certainly the kids had a great time. all those kids they they had looks of fun on their face. Uh, I didn't get a the slightest sense. It, it's felt very uh, community oriented. Uh, mm-hmm. my daughter met a number of other children there and and it, everyone seemed very friendly and that that was good. I mean, that was nice and it, and it really was uh, as we embark on our podcasting adventure, it was motivating, and I was like, wow, this is really. Uh, look at these people that you know they're doing something that they love. they're entertaining, they're having fun, uh, and they're they're um, they're not there's there's not big operations there. it's a it's a camera and a microphone and a computer and and they are um off they go. Guys, before we go, can I turn the subject to uh, back to baseball though briefly? Yes, I have a um i've a I had something occur to me today. That um, I, I want your opinion on both from a fantasy impact and from a, you know, it's the old baseball rule today. And from a kind of a, you know, Tim, I know how you love to think of baseball as a business. And so I want you know there's a business element to it as well. So. It, you know n- nothing new but it really <laughs> dawned on me today as i was watching the pirates broadcast how deeply entrenched the notion of resting great or not greater but the your team's starters on on sundays is. <laughs> and it really bothered me and it was funny because uh you know guys i love bob walk the pirates uh color broadcaster and he um he mentioned it too you know and then my best friend was texting me mentioning it too it was it was uh it was a, a a moment of Zen for me, but, you know, you know, from a, from a customer standpoint, you know, Sunday has got to be the second or third uh, most uh, well-attended day in any team's week. Right.
1: Would you guys uh, agree? Yeah, I that? would think so. Right. Uh, yeah. For working yeah, stiffs like us. Right. And,
0: yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and, and it really I used to, and it brought me back to my childhood of going to Sunday ball games and, and like being excited and then realizing that, you know, three of my favorite players were on the bench, you know, because it's a Sunday game. And so, you know, it made me think of a lot of things. And it made me think about from a strategy standpoint, would, wouldn't there not be some wisdom for some real manager to go ahead and alternate or alter the day that he gives his regulars rest? because they're they're you know he he's putting some of his backups against the other team's backups maybe if you played your your best players and and let them rest on Tuesdays you'd you'd start winning more on Sundays and it would be some sort of a competitive advantage i'll start with that
1: it yeah they they um and and they do i mean you know guys guys get rest um you know different guys get different you know uh timing uh of rest but sunday it happens the most because it's mostly day games so um there's a shorter amount of time between the last game they played and that game. Um, so it just kind of makes sense in that aspect. That's um, that. And I think they're just fucking with people that play fantasy baseball. So, um, you know, it, it is um, from a fantasy standpoint, it's a little frustrating because you, you know, all of a sudden your star players aren't playing uh, on the last day of the week. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, you know, especially being down in Florida and we do, uh, um, uh, it did a lot of spring training games. And, and yeah, there's nothing as deflating as showing up to the park and, and, you know, seeing the, uh, the second string guys in there instead of your favorite players, it's kind of a bummer.
0: So that's, that's my second point. And maybe I'll, um, maybe I'll, uh, suggest it as a potential rule change, although I know we have, we're entrenched in our paradigms as well, but maybe our league week should be Sunday to Saturday and start over on Sunday. You know, it's, so you're starting off the week with a game that, by tradition, is is you know, fluky. It's less predictable who's going to start. You know, that that week. I don't. Or that day.
1: I mean, it'll change the games. I don't know that mathematically if you're still using it. I don't know that it will change. It's funny because for the first time that I can think, maybe ever, this week, earlier this week, I was thinking about um, a way to to. To, to remove Sunday from the equation uh as well without screwing I even went my my and this is just kind of sitting there thinking my brain went to the point where the the game was from Monday to Saturday and on Sunday uh you played your top four players or uh your worst two scores removed um and, and again it, it I don't think it's as big of a deal at this point to, to, to really need to get into it, but it, it has the potential as some of these things are happening more and more, to, it, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, it does affect it.
0: Well, the Pirates, the Pirates sat, you know, are you not really arguably their two best players today? Jay Hay and, and Kutch were both on the bench, and instead they put a total scrub from Triple A who's hitting 086 in you know and they started JSO in the outfield. although Jaso has been hitting okay lately but but um but you know Tim you're you're good at figuring tough concepts out. Wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't like a <laughs> wouldn't a Sunday to Saturday schedule be essentially the same thing it's 7 days it's just the it's just maybe the first week it would be a short week but essentially it's the same thing you're it's a 7 day period uh wouldn't that work all out in the end there? No. Fuck up why
2: it affects everybody like I, you know i, to I know me, but it's
0: anti the, last game of the <laughs> i mean seriously the last it, like the door sat play. on the bench today it's it's uh, sat on the bench jay hayes on the bench you know it's, it's anti yeah, yeah, it's the fucking pirates like no i'm just kidding the 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 i mean the reality is no look-
1: there were three three guys in in my game he he had two guys and in what you know was a close game for a while he had two guys not play so it does you know
0: I mean, think about the World Series. I mean, think about the championship. You're down to the last fucking day, the last game, you know, and, uh, you know, they're going to rest guys. You know, that's annoying. And they don't seem to do it with the same frequency on Saturday. You know, another way to mitigate this thing would be uh, maybe, and again, it would be a pain for commissioners to track, but one or two, maybe one or two non-injury substitutions that we can make in a week. You know, and it would, you know, for all the fuckers who go on paternity leave um, or oh, that's interesting, whatnot, you know, just one or two non-injury substitution. A guy runs it, you know, you have a guy on the bench who's fucking lighting it up and it's driving you crazy. Or you have a guy on the, in your starting lineup who's hit a, a cold streak like you wouldn't believe, or he's, he's, he's day to day or the the coaches sitting him to just get his head straight.
1: One or two of those things.
0: Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, Yeah.
1: I like, uh, I do like that. And, and a lot of the time that, you know, if you're paying attention, you'll know that the guy's sitting on on Sunday within an hour or so notice and that, you know, you want to, be smart and save your substitution for that reason, then yeah, you can yeah. throw a guy in Last, I, I actually like that idea.
0: Well, and, and you know, we, we kind of lament, you know, us who are all so hyper-focused on the league, you know, we lament what we, we presume to be maybe some players or some fellow owners who just plug in great lineups and they don't, have, they only have to worry about injuries, but this would further raise the level of, um, strategy involved to your point jack you know you're going to save your substitution you're going to you're going to put it in there you know or maybe we we do you you have a limited number of substitutions injury or otherwise you know I, I actually make that's an interesting week. Week.
2: what if you even just did one sub a week or 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 two <clears throat> and, and now two, I, yeah. my thinking is is that once you take a guy out you can't put him back in so right. that oh, would yeah, still absolutely. be the same You know, I start that starts to open up possibilities for me in terms of using that sub substitution or two substitutions using that um, in a in a judicious manner. Right. So I say, okay, well, uh, I have a player who is going to Milwaukee. He's a power hitter. Typically, you you know, he has a good chance of hitting on runs, but then he's going to, I don't know, uh, L.A. And he's going to face Kershaw. Right. Do I sub him out? And put somebody else in that. That's really interesting.
0: And it it also increases the value. I mean, the benches have value, but right now, if you have a healthy team, you got players who never see game action all year from your bench because you got starters entrenched, but in a one game situation on a Saturday or Sunday, when you know, Cutch is going to sit, you know, that might be the time to put in Jackie Bradley.
2: Right? You know, quite frankly, I mean, this week in particular, I would have made two changes. I I knew Sunday night that I, I was probably overthinking it. And by Tuesday, I knew I had overthought it. And so this week would have been a really interesting thing because I would have been able to correct it. And um, I don't know if the site could actually handle it, but um, it would put a lot more pressure on the commissioner to make those changes if that was the case. And but if
0: you of, limited it, that would be fun, right? Two, whether it's injury or performance, oh, you make two oh. substitutions a week. And so that way, you, well, know, you like- can't.
1: I don't, I don't know that you, I mean, I guess you, you can do anything, but limiting the injury substitutions, I don't like that idea. Not that you generally get more than two a week, but should you, I, I you know, I think that should be. I I mean I'm open to anything, but yeah, limiting it right to where it it can only happen. It will happen though, and 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 right now it would be on the commissioner to, um, you know, you know, the routine to him to go in there and, and <laughs> make the change on a daily basis ass. to the guys. Yeah, it takes. Yeah, know, like uh, you know, some of the lazier owners might not like it. Um, but it does require that you know to to be paying attention mm-hmm. in order to to utilize it. it it could hurt um, you, though, correct. too. Not, not all the time. It could, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could, absolutely, absolutely. And and it'll probably be used more, I would think, more on a, um, you know, like Tim was explaining, on a series-by-series uh, series basis, uh, you know, my guy's playing in Colorado, he's not playing in Colorado type situation, um, then even a game-by-game um, per se, but mm-hmm. uh, again, you could if you you know if you had would, one or two, you could hold on to it because you know you, your fucking catcher is going to sit on fucking Sunday every well, goddamn week. So,
0: well, in rainouts, think about rainouts alone. You know, games postponed due to rain. You could substitute a guy in. Uh, you know, the seven o'clock game is is postponed to rain. You look at the weather forecast; it's not looking good. Like they're going to get the game in, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull my play my card and pull it. Yeah. You're right. The lazy owners might not like it. But again, that's why I like it is because it's another differentiating factor. I mean, the Clint hurdles of our league, you know, the intellectually lazy Clint hurdles of the league, like my Pirates manager. Is that a
2: compliment uh, or a criticism? No, it's, <laughs> a, it's a criticism of hurdle. I mean, oh. my
0: God. I'm, you know, for, for us as managers, it would be a lot more. I think it'd be a lot
1: more fun. You yeah, know I, I I agree. The other the other um, the other situation where I could see it coming to play, you got a guy comes back from injury on Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. Um. Yeah. You know, at this point, you're just not using him that week, because um, you're not going to sacrifice the first couple of days. But that would bring that into play as well.
2: But what you're saying is two additional substitutions and net of any, you could have five injury substitutions and you would still get your two
1: injury substitutions. Correct. Right. Or yeah, whatever we decide whether it's right, whether it's one. One. Even
0: if it was one, it'd be fun. Like you really save that. yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and we've all been there. We've all, hoped for an injury we've all had a exactly. guy doing so good on our uh let's say for instance right. you had a guy on your bench that got you yeah, an 11 oh, uh,
2: yeah yeah uh, exactly i knew you were gonna go there you motherfucker oh, sorry
0: yeah
1: well yeah i mean, I mean believe me my, i uh, tried to pussy. avoid that
2: for all night long and it finally came out fucking two and a half hours
0: in
1: you God, almost made damn it, it.
0: jack like you know but you know when you have two players on this like i have uh altuve and springer if they're playing saturday and their game gets rained out
1: i had a game um postponed i guess they were already playing a doubleheader the next day so this game got kicked to like september and it's just it's gone and it was um I had multiple players in the game. Right. Oh, it was Tampa and Baltimore. I right. had my catcher Longoria right. and Dickerson. You can't go back and forth. So if you take that, that you're all of a sudden you're taking out Longoria and, and you know putting in whatever schlep I have on the bench, the place third base. Then <laughs> um, I'm stuck with that guy, you know, right. from right. that game on. But at least I'm getting that game. I like it. It just offers everyone more options.
0: Uh, and if you, I mean, we all have players on our bench who it's like every week, it's like, oh, oh, I don't have that many this year. But it's like, oh, damn, do I start this guy or that guy? I have three good middle infielders. Who do I start? You know, and it's that chance to to make a mid-game correction. Thank you, Clint Hurdle, for having such apathy that it inspired me to, uh, to think of like, god damn, Clint's just laying laying down on Sundays for the opponent to roll over us and roll over us.
1: They did, by the way. Hmm. <laughs> Could be worse. Trust yeah. me. Oh, <laughs> Although Nick, Nikki Williams is up, we're uh, we're bringing the kids up. Hmm. Might as well start now. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm.
2: Well, gentlemen, uh, it was wonderful getting together and having this talk. And uh, I hope you all have a uh, wonderful start to the week tomorrow. We'll we'll talk to you soon.
0: Happy Fourth of July, guys! Happy Fourth of yeah, July! Have a great yes. holiday, fellas! Yeah,
2: that's right, that's right, that's right. Happy America Fourth of
1: July! <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, America! Fuck yeah! <laughs> God, what a great movie!
1: Yeah, I introduced Dante to it last week. Actually, he enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> did, did you realize just
2: how absolutely rude that movie was? Like when you're watching yes. it with your seventeen-year-old?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, Miles yeah, and I it watched it, bad. and, and he—I mean, he liked it, but holy! Sh- I, I
0: felt like a bad parent. I really did. Like, and, and, and I know. I died. When that movie first came out, Carly must have been three years old, four years old, maybe. And I—I I walked in from the store, and my ex was uh the—the the opening credits were just rolling, and I had never seen it myself. but I was like, "Is this Team America: World Police?" And she was like, "Yeah, it's." I was like, I, I don't think this is appropriate. Uh, and that, That's for me to say those words about anything in life is, is shocking. And she was like, she was like, Greg, what the fuck are you talking about? It's they're marionettes. How, how offensive could it be? Uh, one minute and 26 seconds later, you we were uh, on to finding Nemo for the 15th. Hour. Oh, my
2: gosh. All right, guys. Well, listen, All right, guys. Uh, I absolutely love, love doing this. Yep. Talk to you later. Uh, have yourselves a good evening.
1: Yeah. All right, fellas. Bye. All right. Be good.
0: Right?